Welcome to the vast majority. I'm Jacobin Deputy Editor Micah Utrecht, uh, joined by uh, several Jacobin contributors for a really solemn podcast uh, about our friend and comrade Michael Brooks. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, just about 24 hours or so after most of us got the news that he uh, had a very untimely death uh, yesterday. As folks who have paid any attention to you know, the outpouring of grief and appreciation for Michael that, have, uh, that has really flooded social media in the last 24 hours, I mean, this was a person who was a, a really special human being, a, a special uh, you know, political thinker and interviewer. And I think that, I mean, those were not two things about him that were separate. I mean, they were very much uh, entwined in, in who he was and what his politics were, which uh, we will get into in, in some depth here. Um, so I'm joined uh, by uh, Ben Burgess, who is a columnist for Jacobin, uh, Megan Day, and Luke Savage, who are both staff writers for Jacobin. So thanks, everybody, for coming on for this. Thank you, Micah. Sure. Thanks, Micah. Ben, let's start with you. You um, wrote something on social media yesterday about your really close, uh, you know, personal and professional political ties with uh, Michael. Um, can you just talk about your, your relationship with him and what that meant to you? Yeah, I, I met, um, I met Michael a couple of years ago um, at a uh, conference in Idaho. We both had book contracts with the same publisher, um, Zero Books. And so our mutual editor was there and, and, you know, we met through him, you know, the, the three of us kind of went out to a bar together on the, the first day. Um, and, you know, we had a good political conversation at the bar and he was talking about having me on the show and everything, you know, kind of on the way back to the conference, you know, I tipsily made a joke at his expense that I'm not going to repeat on a family friendly podcast such as this one. And, uh, you know, he, could have gone either way, but he reacted very well. He thought it was hilarious. And, uh, you know, by the end of the weekend, uh, he'd, uh, he'd worked up an impression of that editor, Doug, that, that he, um, uh, <laughs> that he later shared a version of with me, uh, made to the background music of, uh, of the zero books videos. Uh, and, you know, I started going on the show and, and, you know, became a, a you know, regular, weekly contributor to his show and um you know i'd often you know stay with him and his girlfriend in uh, in brooklyn you know when i was on the show or when i you know was i'd go over to his his place to work all day on different writing projects we were doing together and um i mean i don't think i could overstate how much of an impact he had in my life in the last two years you know he was certainly obviously you know had a had a massive um you know professional impact obviously through the show and and in a lot of less obvious ways uh i met boscar through him and and you know and, and that's how i ended up writing for jacobin he, he's just you know one of the most um you know intensely loyal people that i knew to to everybody you know that he liked um you know, and, and he was always, I think anybody who knew him, you know, knows that he, he was always working on a hundred things at once. And he always had like plans and schemes for like 200 more. 
and who's, who's just a enormously generous person. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm telling anybody anything that anybody's listening to this doesn't know when I say that he's probably the funniest person I've ever met. You know, I know a couple of stand-up comedians, but, you know, he's, he's much funnier than they are. You know? So, uh, and that was always in display in private, you know, whether, whether we were talking about politics or making fun of people or just doing what we spent about, you know, 50% of our non-political time doing, which was talking about the Sopranos. <laughs> you know, Bhaskar Sankara and his obituary for Michael that we published last night really got into one thing that is particularly striking about Michael, which was that he was somebody who really believed in building institutions on the left because he believed that even in media, the way that we would change the world is through collective action. And that's such a rare thing in media generally, and including in left media. I mean, because media lends itself to like individual celebrity, and we all know that the, you know, that, that social media or, or, or specifically what he was doing, being the one in front of the camera, all of that, adds to the kind of incentives or the, the, the sort of structural push to make people's egos get in, enormously inflated and, and to sort of, uh, you know, especially in the world of like trying to create a left YouTube channel, right? You're, you're like trying to jostle with other competitors or whatever and sort of set yourself up maybe, or maybe even like pick beefs with people to try to, you know, build your brand. I mean, none of that. Michael did none of that stuff. I mean, Michael was somebody who, was was you know i mean boscar says he got involved in jacobin in ways that weren't even necessarily like uh beneficial to him individually in his career but he did it because he believed in a collective media project of of trying to change the world and it's a real rarity in left media that people uh, uh act that way and certainly rare that somebody would would you know have so many relationships with so many people and reach out to so many people. Be so supportive. Megan and I were both talking about how we were looking back on our correspondence with Michael and he, we both had messages from him that we had no idea what they were in reference to, but they clearly were just Michael sensing that we were going through a rough patch and he just wanted to like give us a message of like, Hey, you know, it's going to be all right. Like, you know, we got to, we got to keep our eyes on the prize here. Gotta keep, keep our eyes on the ball and not, not get too distracted by, you know, whatever the, the, the media, the social media controversy du jour is or whatever attacks we were under as an institution or as individual uh, writers and editors. I mean, the only reason he would do that is, is because of that really generosity of spirit that was so central to, uh, to who he was. And there really is, is nobody else like him i mean it's it's a bit of a cliche to say when someone dies that there's a they're irreplaceable there's like a hole that can't be filled um but that just feels especially true with michael there there really is not anybody like him uh out there and, and all of our lives are going to be our lives and the left are going to be much the worse for his passing i want to talk a little bit about the way that i knew michael because i think that it speaks to his incredibly unique and positive qualities. I just published an article that now you can read on Jacobin's website. It went up like literally right before we started recording. Um, so I hope people will take the time to read it. Um, I, spent, I stayed up late last night writing it um, after spending all day sort of 
reading through my past communications with Michael and doing what you do when somebody passes, try to like get a sense of the totality of your relationship with them, which is not something that you can sense um, or really fathom or that you take the time to try to sense or fathom when somebody is, you know, alive and you expect them to be there tomorrow or the next day. Um, you know, I was really just astonished at how often he invited me to go on his show, including times that I, that I didn't end up doing it and how it was, it was often in response to an article that I'd written that he liked, not necessarily one that was popular. Um, he was just paying, he was paying really close attention actually. And the first time I ever heard of Michael Brooks was when I was contacted directly by Michael Brooks after I'd been writing for Jacobin for only a few months. Um, I, I didn't think anybody was really paying attention to me. I was just kind of getting my sea legs. I hadn't done much political writing before that, maybe a little, but not in a context where I was sort of free and encouraged to say exactly what I thought, right? And, uh, you know, Michael invited me to go on his show and it was actually, it was the first time that I'd ever been asked to talk about my political writing. And I was pretty anxious about it. I mean, I definitely had this thought process where I was like, well, I already, I mean, I wrote the article, the, the stuff is in the article. There's nothing else to say. I like put stuff in it intentionally and I left stuff out of it intentionally. I think I was trying to talk myself out of, I was trying to, you know, provide a rationale for not wanting to do it. Um, it seems silly now. I mean, it's been years since then and it's very common for me to go talk about my political writing now, but I was actually quite nervous about it. And, um, you know, Michael put me immediately at ease and, you know, Michael just invited me back over and over. And, you know, starting maybe last year, I was going on various you know, shows and podcasts all the time, but there were actually years leading up to that where the only time I ever did that was when I went on Michael's show pretty frequently. And whatever confidence that I had or have that my ideas deserve a fair hearing, I think I owe a lot of that to Michael and to his um, sort of relentless pursuit of my voice, like his frequent invitations for me to come and just talk and just sort of get beneath the surface of whatever I had written and really discuss with him the, the broader political implications of whatever I had written. It, his only sort of criteria for whether or not he would invite someone to appear on a broadcast that he was hosting was whether or not they appeared to be dedicated to working something out, to working out an important or compelling question. It wasn't that they had a lot of Twitter followers or that notoriety or that they had a good pedigree. He invited a lot of novice writers on his show, first time writers to discuss, um, to discuss their articles. And I think he helped a lot of people get acclimated to the idea that they had something to say. I think that he took a lot of pleasure in building up people's confidence. And I actually think that this wasn't just a personal attribute. I, I believe that this was intimately tied to his political ambitions as well. I mean, I think that he wanted a confident left. And I think that we all do, right? But I think that he understood, and I, and I wrote this in the piece, I think he understood more than most people do that the left is made up of people. And so in order for us to have a confident left, we have to have confident leftists, which means that leftists like us, you know, require sort of routine um, encouragement and reinforcement. And he was so forthcoming with that. 
in a way that I think is entirely uncommon, actually. Um, and like Micah said, both of us have been astonished to look back. And, you know, you, it, when it happens, you think, oh, that's really nice. And then you sort of forget about it as the pattern. What, what, emerged to, what emerged for me was the pattern of receiving messages from Michael over the years saying things like, hey, I hope you're staying safe and healthy, like hang in there. I don't even know what these are in reference to. You know, we're constantly embattled, right? So something to do with that. But I think it's also really interesting that these messages don't contain any details about what the sort of controversy du jour is because he's not actually writing to, you know, shit talk or gossip. He's just trying to, you know, tell you to keep your chin up. Just build your confidence because we need a confident left and we need confident leftists. And I think he was really exemplary and a remarkable person who moved with incredible grace through the left and through the world. Um, I think we could all learn, we could all stand to learn a lot from him. You know, on the vast, or the vast majority, the majority report, a different, different leftist podcast with majority in the title, uh, which he was a co-host of. He, uh, they, they did a memorial show for him earlier today. And Sam Cedar, the host had Michael's uh, sister on and, she was talking about something that I didn't know about Michael, but made total sense once I heard her say it, which was that he had this, uh, that spirituality was really important to him. Uh, he emphasized uh, to her that like, that's not something that the, the left should shy away from is that kind of uh, embrace of, of spirituality and that kind of religious in, in the best sense, uh, you know, profound, like, uh, just just profound care for for other other people and i i didn't know that uh about him she was wearing she said she was wearing some prayer beads that he had been uh wearing right before he died and um you know it, it makes it makes total sense in hindsight the left is obviously a huge part of of the left uh, left thinking has been a kind of rejection of 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 woo woo you know religious you know religion is the opiate of masses and all of that stuff um, not, not how I see the world as someone who's a, a pastor's son, uh, religion's always been important to me, but, uh, that's common on the, on the left. And he, you know, hearing her articulate that that was the way he approached the world made total sense. Like you, you thinking about his interpersonal interactions with uh, people and just how he comported himself as a media figure in general makes total sense that he had that kind of spiritual quasi-religious approach to other people as a sort of like unending fount of love yeah yeah i mean he was always going on silent meditation retreats and things like that um and you know it was it was definitely you know in a half joking but half serious way it was it was it was definitely a, an element of our you know friendship because i'm an atheist and certainly not a you know, new atheist who thinks it's some sort of political imperative to get other people to be, but, you know, but, but, a you know, a philosophy nerd. So, um, so, so he was always kind of poking at that, you know, and, uh, and, you know, like that was even kind of that running joke on the show, you know, he'd tell me on air, you know, that, that he thought astrology was real and talk about my sign and things like that. And, you know, I don't think he meant that literally, but, uh, but I mean, I think it was also, you know, a way of like poking gentle fun at me for maybe not being more open to certain things. Uh, Luke, do you want to chime in here? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where to begin my reflections, but I guess since people have talked about, uh, kind of personal stuff, maybe I'll start there. Um, 
further to something that that Ben said earlier, um, you know, it's it's funny. I got completely the wrong impression of Michael when I first interacted with him. Uh, one of the first, uh, you know, interactions I ever had with him, maybe if not the first, was. Uh, when I guess he reached out to me because I was going to be in New York in 2016. This was in uh, November or December of 2016, um, and uh, you know he wanted to he wanted to meet up, and um, you know I thought, uh, oh, here's this you know really networky guy. You know he must want something, whatever. But uh, you know, of course, completely the wrong uh, impression. He just wanted to meet me. And, you know, uh, further to what Megan was saying, I guess he, you know, he just knew me from, uh, my work and he seemed to know me from things that, uh, you know, were, were certainly not my, my greatest hits, I don't think. Um, and so I met him, uh, this would have been just weeks after Trump was elected, uh, at a bar in Brooklyn. I looked it up. It was the, uh, Washington Commons on Washington Avenue. Um, which was a place he suggested. And uh, yeah, I, I think we only had about two hours. I wish we'd had uh, more times. This was, or more time. This was the only time that the two of us met in person. But um, I think that that meeting with him very much summed up what he was about because uh, I remember there was a lot of serious conversation about the election and things like that. And it was punctuated by uh, you know, his famous impressions. Um, I, I unfortunately can't remember all of them, but uh, I know there was an Obama one and I think a Bill Clinton one as well. Um, and I think he turned a few heads in the bar. Um, people thought a former president had walked in or something. Um, you know, he was somebody who was clearly intellectually serious and also uh, just great to be around. I think for me, uh, he embodied a sensibility that was the exact opposite of the one that was prevalent on the left or what was then the left when I first entered it as a teenager, maybe, you know, 13 or 14. The left I knew in those days was largely misanthropic. Uh, it was very, you know, the, the pros uh, in the publications, such as there were any left publications. It was very leaden. Um, uh, it was uh, it was all very dark and and cold and not a lot of fun and certainly not a place for uh, for humor uh, or irony and when I think about our uh, our part of the left today it's very different than that you know um, you know you have shows like like Michael's that uh, were full of insight and and humor. Um, and we're rooted in the best of our traditions, uh, you know, left leftist traditions all around the world, socialist traditions, um, but which also had an eye to the future, has an eye to the future, and is, you know, modernist and serious about building power. This was the opposite of the left that I knew uh, as a as a teenager, and I think, in kind of word and thought and action, you know, Michael really stands out as somebody who's helped us popularize that sensibility and uh, and make it something that people want to be involved in, uh, you know, and are, are excited to be involved in and, and are curious about. Um, so I guess those are just a few preliminary thoughts. One thing I wanted to make sure we talk about all of the pieces about Michael are noting this, uh, but you, you really do have to talk about it when you talk about Michael, his, his deep internationalism 
in a way that, I mean, there's a lot to say about it. I mean, for one thing, for all of us as leftists, we know, you know, we all believe that like, you know, lives outside of the United States or North America, include our our uh, Canadian comrade here, Luke, uh, lives outside of North America have the equal moral weight as those inside of North America. Anybody on the left uh, believes that. Uh, but it's one thing to articulate that intellectually, and then it's another thing to actually go about your life and work deeply believing that. And that is so true for Michael. And it's worth mentioning that go, focusing on those kind of international issues is not something that, you know, again, it's if you want to be a petty careerist, don't go making documentaries about Michael Manley and Jamaica in the 1980s. Like that is not the <laughs> ticket to like racking up YouTube views and you know, Twitter followers and whatever. Um, we, we know this on, on Jackman from our own international coverage, which never does particularly well. Um, but obviously that did not matter one iota to Michael. Michael actually cared about what, was, what we can learn from you know, Jamaica in the 1980s and Michael Manley. Or, you know, as everyone has noted, uh, his, his deep interest in Brazil. I mean, there can be no greater uh, testament to, to his life and career than the fact that within a really short amount of time after his death was officially announced, uh, the former president of Brazil, Lula, was tweeting about Michael. Um, I mean, it, bring, it kind of makes me tear up just thinking about that to, to, to know how much it meant to Michael to meet uh, Lula, I believe that was last year, the way he was constantly covering Brazil in a way that, that I think we can uh, fairly say no, nobody else even comes close. Certainly nobody with a platform like him uh, c covered Brazil uh, as closely as, as he did. Um, and that, that was just central to, to who he was. I mean, and, and just to reiterate, I mean, it was because he, he really did feel at the kind of gut level, at the bone deep level, uh, in the basic premise of internationalism and in the belief that, that lives abroad matter as much as they do here. And uh, really, it's not just the, the, the American and North American left that's, that's suffered a blow because he's gone. It's, it really is the, the global left. Yeah. And, and I mean, certainly the, the vision of uh, global, you know, cosmopolitan socialism he talks about in the last chapter of his book, which uh, which I keep wanting to call his first book, uh, you know, because I, I know he had more in him, um, you know, and and the way he he talks about and gives historical examples about uh, about the way, uh, you know, it's it's a fundamental mistake to think of 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 human rights as like something like some sort of concept that's distinctive to European culture, you know, that he. Uh, that you know you you can find these values in in absolutely every tradition you know and and you also don't have to romanticize everything anything you find everything good and everything bad you know in every culture and every in every tradition and you know whatever that's easy to say but you know but it's it's not just something he he talked about in the abstract you know I mean that's that's something he he really believed you know and that that uh, that Lula visit I remember uh, the time before last you know that I was I was uh, staying with him in Brooklyn, um, you know, he was, he was getting ready, you know, to, to do that, that trip, you know, this is in January, I guess. And, um, you know, and he was incredibly excited about it. And, you know, when I came back, you know, to spend a weekend with him the next month, uh, he had, uh, in his, you know, in his apartment along with all the kind of, you know, has all this like 
these like framed classic photographs of like, uh, you know, Fidel Castro at the UN and Muhammad Ali knockout punch and things like that. And, you know, one of them was the picture that's been widely circulated, you know, since, since he, uh, since he passed away of, um, of him and Lula, you know, kind of arm in arm smiling, you know, and, you know, and that was really meaningful too. I mean, you're absolutely right. Of course, you know, about the, the choice of topics. Um, although also that specific example, it's a shame, you know, I'm sure fewer people, We'll watch it, you know, because it's not about a U.S. centric topic. But uh, that, um, you know, that that Michael Manley documentary, you know, that, that he made with Vic Viana, like that's fantastic. You know, the music and the clips, and you know, and, and the like, the way it's put together. I mean, I think you could show that to your like a political brother-in-law who enjoys gangster movies, and you know, and, and he'd get something out of it, and it would also make him think you know, about, you know, socialism and the role of the U.S. and Jamaica and the rest of those things. Well, Ben mentioned the uh, the last chapter of Michael's book, uh, which I just uh, I just read, I guess, uh, the week before last and uh, and reviewed. And, you know, I think uh, the the part of the book that a lot of people will find to be the meat uh, is the preceding four chapters, because that's where you get his very able and effective deconstructions of uh, figures from the so-called intellectual dark web, but it's the final, uh, the final chapter where he gets prescriptive and where I think he lays out, uh, you know, a sketch at least of what his vision for a cosmopolitan socialism, which is the phrase he uses, uh, what that vision was and everything about who he was and the kind of leftist he was, uh, you can find it all in this chapter. Um, as Baskar mentioned in his memoriam yesterday, and as I guess people have already already remarked on here, you know, Michael was comfortable discussing about, you know, everything from, you know, Grenada's jewel movement to the the history of the ANC to the Meidner plan. You know, he was an intellectual omnivore uh, in a very real sense. And I think you can see in his, uh, in the closing chapter of Against the Web, how that curiosity was really, it really was what informed his internationalism, or at least it seems to me. Uh, something else that strikes me about uh, the book and this final chapter in particular, which I think is related, is that it really is a blueprint, um, both in terms of the arguments it makes, but also in terms of how it makes the arguments. It's a blueprint for how uh, the socialist left can defeat and defang the new right. Um, and I know that's something that, uh, you know, Michael was very concerned about. Uh, it's something that uh, I feel like a lot of liberals are concerned about. There's a lot of obsession these days with the internet and uh, people getting radicalized to reactionary politics online. But there's not a lot of serious thought given to what the actual appeal of these ideas are, why people might be attracted to them and, and what it might be about contemporary culture that makes a Jordan Peterson attractive to, uh, uh, you know, an intellectually curious or just a wayward uh, young person. So I, I think of his book, and I will always think of it as a blueprint for what we can do, the values we need to embody in order to defeat uh, the worst of the reactionary right, values that are cosmopolitan and pluralist, um, that are rooted in a... Uh, you know, a living tradition, but have, uh, you know, an eye towards uh, the future and and, um, 
and and taking power you know makes use of history to um you know not as kind of a a museum or a repository of of memory of you know great triumphs long past or something like that but uh that actually informs us about uh how we can win the future um you know uh michael always valued and you this really comes across in the in the final chapter in fact he says it explicitly uh you know openness rather than insularity the kind of insularity that i think has always been uh an issue on the left uh you know, uh, curiosity, inclusiveness, uh, rather than sectarianism or this kind of culture of scolding that uh, is, uh, you know, something that I think most people, whether publicly or privately, would be willing to admit. Um, those are those are all all things that we need to do. They're all values that we need to embody and project in order to defeat things like the so-called intellectual dark web to neutralize their appeal. And I think Michael it really comes across in his book. This was something he was very concerned about and he did uh, his best to understand how we can save people from the clutches of right-wing YouTube uh, and, uh, and right-wing media. And I have absolutely no doubt that there are uh, lots and lots of people that, uh, that were saved from those things uh, by his YouTube channel, by his writing, and by all of the wonderful things that he produced. I, I can't wait to read uh, his book in general, but also the, the specifically the last chapter that you're talking about, Luke. Um, but I also, yeah, without having read it, I mean, I, I certainly sensed that um, where his head was at on a lot of this stuff just by following him closely. And one thing that I mentioned in the piece that I just wrote, and I'm sorry to sort of repeat everything in that, but I, you know, stayed up late last night trying to think of what the, what the sort of main takeaways were in any case. But um, is that, you know, Michael was interested in controversial topics on the left. We all know this. <laughs> and and yet you never got the impression that he was the sort of like gadfly or contrarian um, I actually think that, you know, and Michael sort of was, was um, in some cases, you know, people grumble, people grumble, grumbled about Michael, they, like they grumble about all of us, right? Um, but he was, he was spared some of the, some of the like worst sort of character defamation in a way, in part, because I actually think that um, it was widely understood that Michael was genuinely interested in the contradictions that are driving the controversies, not in the sort of like character drama of the controversies themselves. I, I never got the impression that Michael um, enjoyed pissing contests or would like to join them. <laughs> um, um, and but I but I, I do think that you know he would he would sort of frequently alight on controversial topics. For example, um, the left's givenness to a sort of and by the by the left I mean the very broad left, including liberals, sort of givenness to um, a style of argumentation that primarily could be characterized as browbeating or um, marshalling guilt in order to win an argument or you know uh, ad hominems. Um, you know, and unfair characterizations of your opponent's ideas. I mean, these things, he didn't like them. And uh, he said so frequently, actually. And most of the people who don't like them and say so tend to uh, end up getting embroiled in a sort of long um, uh, drama. 
uh, of their own devising and they develop sort of enemies and arch nemeses. And then every time they weigh in from, from there on out, they, and I certainly, I mean, you know, we're, we're not immune. We end up, you know, engaging in a little bit, even despite our best attempts, uh, you can sort of tell that there's a little bit of score settling in our argumentation. I just really don't think that that was Michael's style. I don't really feel that he was um, keeping a sort of like pantheon of friends and enemies in his head at all times and sort of engaging in that character drama. And I, I want to be more like that. You know, I try not to get in the mud too much, but but I I I think that Michael was really exemplary in this regard, and I admire that so much. And uh, you know, I I for example this summer have taken taken a break from Twitter, a bit exhausted for many of the reasons that are related to everything that I'm talking about here. And during this break, as I reflect, I was already, um, you know, reflecting a lot on the quality. Um, of my contributions and my in, engagement and, and um, you know, what I want my contribution to be and what's sort of standing in the way of that. Um, and I think maybe in the back of my mind, I was thinking of Michael as a sort of inspiration in this regard. But now with his passing, it's very much on the forefront of my mind, how, how sort of uniquely um, charitable he was, even if he was uh, rigorous in his criticism. Uh the other thing I wanted to make sure we talked about yesterday, we heard about his passing in the in the morning at Jacobin, and then there were several hours before the news went public. And so, I honestly I couldn't really get any work done all day. And one of the things I was doing was sort of searching Michael's name over and over on Twitter, seeing what the you know when the news is going to break and what people are going to say. And um, as I was uh, searching for his name. I, you know, before anybody knew, there was just normal, you know, conversation about Michael Brooks. And just at a random search at a random time on a random day, I was seeing people in the middle of conversation saying that uh, Michael Brooks' show was so important to saving them from the alt-right, from just politicizing them in general. And we've been talking a lot in this conversation about how much he meant to people like us who are writers and editors already on the left and how generous he was with his time and how he read us closely and, and brought us, you know, on the show to talk about these things. But he was, he was also very uh, generous and very uh, influential to people who never met him, who never went on his show, uh, he, who he would interact with online maybe sometimes, but, but uh, you know, he, he clearly had very close relationships to just average people who happened to stumble upon him and, and his show. Uh, and it really uh, transformed their lives. And, uh, we we owe a lot to him. He, before many of the rest of us were kind of getting our shit together in order to do battle on this terrain that is so dominated by the right wing. Uh, Michael was there, and he was in, incredibly successful in pulling people back from the abyss. Yeah, and just to reiterate what I was saying uh, earlier, um, it really is so different. Uh, something like. Michael's show is so different from what was on offer when I first came to know the left. I mean, there were, you know, the various like clips of Noam Chomsky that I downloaded at, you know, 0.3 KBS over Kazar or whatever in 2002 on dial-up internet. You had, uh, I guess, C-SPAN clips of, of like 90s Christopher Hitchens. Um, 
you know, uh, and yet, yet adbusters, you know, and, and it was, uh, it, it, you know, the left was, was a lonely place, like I said, and, uh, you know, Michael's show for all the reasons we've said and many others clearly brought in so many people, uh, you know, who otherwise might not, might not have been interested in the left and, uh, you know, his, uh, his character and the kind of person who he was, as we've been saying, it was a huge part of that because he was, uh, uh, you know, so open-minded and inclusive and ecumenical. Um, and those are all qualities that uh, were really in short supply, you know, uh, 15 or 20 years ago when I was talking about and, and are, are still, there's still a dearth of those things today. Um, so I hope people will honor him by uh, trying to live more like he did um, and root, root their activism in, in those things, uh, in those things as well. Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, you, what you're saying and what Megan was saying earlier kind of makes me think of like Jack Nicholson and uh, uh, as good as it gets when he he says you make me want to be a better man like that's kind of how Michael's example makes me feel like it makes me want to uh, you know aspire to be the kind of figure on the left and left media that, that Michael was he kind of really set the gold standard for how we should all comport ourselves yeah absolutely and and I think that that combination of what Megan was talking about that, that he was, he was never really interested in, um, you know, in stirring the pot and, you know, that he could even get away with a lot of things, you know, that I think others wouldn't necessarily because he was so obviously uninterested, you know, in, in, in stirring the pot. Right. I mean, like he, uh, you know, one of the last episodes that he did, he was talking to, uh, Stavros uh, from from Cometown, which uh, I I was joking Dave Griscom the other day. If I had to tell somebody who'd never heard of TMBS, like I had to give them a one sentence accurate description uh, to give them an idea, I'd say recent guests have included uh, Stavi from Cometown and also Cornell West. Uh, but uh, you know, he was he was he was talking about it, and, and they were you know without getting into it here, right? Like you know, they've briefly mentioned a a. Uh, a left controversy, you know, of the week that was taking up a lot of everybody's time and, uh, you know, and, and people were mad at Noam Chomsky and stuff. And, and, and Michael, in, in a very funny and winning way, kind of like blew off the, the criticism and affirmed what he thinks is the right, you know, line on that. And I'm sure lots of people, you know, who are listening to it and who are fans of his, you know, disagreed with him about this because, you know, it is a major controversy within the left right you know but um but nobody was like going to you know nobody was like doing angry youtube videos you know denouncing michael you know for what he said uh because because part of it's just you know part of its personal charisma and humor and 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 you know i mean i really think my own relationship with left podcast before i started listening to tmbs before i was on it you know i'd, I'd often kind of realized that like I'd get excited about one and I'd start listening. And after a while I'd realize that it started to feel like homework and I'd stop. Uh, whereas, you know, TMBS obviously never felt like that, you know, but it also, you know, wasn't a comedy show, you know, there was plenty of comedy in it, you know, but, but, but he was like very, very earnest and serious about what he was talking about. And I think that's the other half of why people continued to like him and follow him and listen to him even when they didn't necessarily agree with all of his takes, 
you know, part of it was being funny and charismatic, but part of it was that he, you know, I mean, he was just so obviously sincere and earnest and, and, you know, it was, it was so clearly coming from a good place in him and, you know, his, his, his commitment to creating a better world. I suppose just to wrap up my thoughts, I don't, I don't have anything else uh, profound to add to, um, to what I've, I've said, but I'll say that, uh, Something I'll eternally regret is that uh, a while ago, Michael suggested we do a podcast about uh, about the Sopranos, and uh, we never we never got around to that. But um, uh, you know, yesterday I think like everyone else, I was I was pretty paralyzed and I couldn't really uh, couldn't really think what to do. And uh, you know, my girlfriend was kind of taking care of me, and she said, uh, you know, probably probably you know distract distraction right now is probably your best friend and we've uh, we've been revisiting the sopranos so we just happened to watch the pine barrens episode uh which i don't know how familiar people are with the sopranos ben ben knows um it's it's a all-time classic one of the episode. one of the one of the greats um oh, paulie and christopher try to bury a body and get lost in the woods it's very funny yeah yeah and translate tony soprano's uh words through a garbled phone and do so very badly um anyway we we, we watched that and uh and i thought of michael and his uh his love of the sopranos and his podcast idea and i saw that the socialist sopranos memes page uh, put up a tribute to him this morning that's that's two frames where it's a, a clip of him you know with his big grin uh on his show on the set of his show and then uh uh in the second panel below it's anthony jr and uh and uh silvio and Polly and christopher and they're all they're all watching the show and that that absolutely uh slayed me so i'll, I'll just uh i'll just end my thoughts there speaking about tributes to him i saw today uh i believe at a at the the ongoing protests that are happening in portland i mean somebody like you know wrote up on a you know ripped off piece of cardboard like a tribute to michael just on the streets of portland while these protests are happening while they've got other things to be worried about in portland like getting snatched by unmarked uh, federal agents and pulled into a van uh people took the time out to to uh to note his his passing there uh it's a it's definitely a definitely a real uh tribute to how the kind of wide influence he had uh, megan you you were going to say something yeah i mean i was just going to return to this question that we've been all kind of contributing to and mulling over here about uh michael and controversy <laughs> i mean i just i just want to say that i also i think that he understood the importance of you know taking a, a stand you know i think that like like ben that was a perfect sort of anecdote about the way that the way in which he would do it uh the real takeaway for me is to put it all in proper perspective the debates that we have on the left are not completely irrelevant usually if we're all fighting you know like cats and dogs over something it's because there's like a real unresolved question at the base of it and and that's what's animating the controversy to begin with um and so you know i don't think that the proper path forward is to simply ignore all of that by any means. Um, I just, I think that it's important to have a good sense of perspective and to not get too obsessed with your own self and where you're positioned in all of that. 
um, to the point where you're actually using those controversies as a kind of marionette theater to like play out your own sort of, uh, uh, you know, you're sort of shoring up your own ego in conversation with other people, um, you know, using the controversy as a prop. And I think that's what I really admired about Michael was that he understood that it was important to comment on the debates of the day. But he also, I mean, I think it's important what Micah said earlier that he had a, a practice a regular and routine practice that helped him get right with himself so that he wasn't spiraling out constantly. And so many, you know, I've seen the greatest minds of my generation, right? Like so many of us are in danger and some people I think are more than in danger of spiraling out in that particular manner. And I really don't, I really think that he kept a sense of equanimity and perspective. And that's what's really sticking with me. I mean, ultimately, you know, what his last broadcast, he was talking about hunger. People shouldn't be hungry. His sister went on majority report this morning and she noted that this was something that he was thinking about a lot lately. Just the simple, the simple fact that it's unacceptable that people are hungry, completely unacceptable. And, and it, so in that sense, it's like he had a, yeah, he had a proper sense of perspective and that doesn't mean that he ignored the debates of the day. Um, it just meant that he was putting things in the right place and putting, including putting himself in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking about a, a piece uh, that he was uh, commissioned to write for Esquire last year. And then they decided they didn't like, they didn't, they didn't like it. You know, I, I guess there's too much socialist stuff in it, but uh, he talked in the piece about, you know, that the times in his life growing up when, you know, his family was dealing with evictions and food stamps, right? You know, bridge card and, you know, and he'd see the people, uh, you know, his, his mom kind of looking one way and the other before, before using it because the kind of social stigma. And so, you know, he clearly, you know, became a successful person in, in every way. Right. You know, um, but, you know, but I mean, I, I think he, he definitely never lost that, you know, that perspective, um, you know, that it helped keep him grounded, you know, and um, in, in what matters, you know, like, like what Megan said, you know, the sort of reason we care about all this in the first place, because, you know, we don't think anybody should be hungry. We don't think anybody should go without health care. You know, we, we don't think people should be subjected to unreasonable forms of domination. I don't know, probably feels egomaniacal if you're memorializing somebody who you frequently collaborated with to quote Ingalls on Marx, but, uh, but, you know, it's a line that I've thought of, uh, you know, a lot of times in the last day, you know, what, uh, what Ingalls said about Marx, that nothing human is alien to him. And, you know, Jesus, if there's anything that summed up Michael Brooks, that would have to be it. Well, I think anybody who's listened to this whole conversation, uh, I don't need to repeat that Michael's death is really a just a real uh, a blow that um, all of us personally are probably going to have to be wrestling with for a long time. And the, you know, the, the contribution that we all know that he would have uh, made to our, our own institution Jacobin, as well as to the broader project of advancing, you know, universal human freedom and flourishing and happiness uh, has, has been dealt a, a serious blow by, by his death. But um I, I guess if if we're if we're looking for the for the uh, this not I don't want to say silver lining here, but sort of any 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 sort of non-negative thing to take away from this is that he did leave us with this 
real uh, example that I think all of us are committed to following, which is like how to lead a gracious and warm and good humored and open and loving life uh, on the left, you know, with each other, with other writers and editors and with, with all people who are allied with us in this project to uh, change the world for the better. So, um, you know, we'll, we, we, we can't go on, Michael, but uh, we will go on uh, and we'll, we'll be taking your example of, of, of how to live that kind of uh, life on the left with us. So thanks everyone for, uh, for sharing your remembrances of Michael.